You are listening to Will Ferguson, the pastor of Temple Baptist Church in Canton, Illinois. This podcast contains one of my sermons that was preached at Temple that pertains to the Christian life and living. I was watching a documentary on Netflix the other day on SpaceX. Uh, Elon Musk sending this spaceship out. Uh, they're wanting to spend out. What his vision is, he wants to build a base on the moon and then send somebody to the, to Mars. But first, we have to send a man out to outer space. Uh, we've, I know we've already done that. That was NASA, but we have the private sector doing that. And NASA has already stopped nine years ago sending people out in outer space to the space shuttle. And, and we've had to ride along with Russia when they go up there. So we decided, well, let's do our own. And so we sent a man up and successfully has done this, sent a man up and they docked at the space station. And as they return, something that I, I was it struck my attention, and I remember this was true of the John Glenn and Neil Armstrong as they returned back to Earth. On re-entry, there's a moment, a critical moment on re-entry as the, the spaceship goes through the atmosphere. Uh, the spaceship uh, has to turn around, and it has this black side of the spaceship. It's absorbing the heat, and it's, as it goes into the atmosphere, it, it, it goes through this immense amount of heat. Uh, they they put it in uh, 1,500 centi- Celsius. I have no idea. I know it's hot, okay? 1,500 Celsius, and it's bright hot, the ship is. And in that moment, as it's going into the atmosphere, it's, it's a, just hot on fire. These astronauts are in that ship, you know, riding, riding it through, all these Gs going on. But at ground control in Houston, in that moment, because of the heat and the ionized air going around the ship, they lose communication with the ship every single time. It's called the blackout. Okay? And so here they are. Everybody in Houston, it's, they can't communicate with the ship. They can't, they don't know how the astronauts are doing. They can't read their vital signs. They have no idea what's going on. And for a moment, they can't see anything. It's a blackout and they're just all holding their breath at Houston. And so they're counting the minutes and you just see the, the people in the, in the station, they're just pacing back and forth as nervous as can be, stressed out. And they say, uh, they, it's called the dragon. Okay. The, the ship, they said, dragon, can you hear us? They don't hear it. Dragon, can you hear us? Nothing. Dragon, can you hear us? <sighs> they're frustrated. We're supposed to be, they're supposed to come out of it by now. And they're, they're really upset. And finally they hear them. Houston. We're come through. We're okay. Oh, they're all relieved. And it's always been that way. This moment of the blackout. And you know, this is what happened 2,000 years ago. I mean, the most horrifying experience of mankind. Jesus dies on the cross. He's buried in the grave. For three days in the ground. He's dead. Guys, he wasn't, he just didn't faint. He was stone cold dead. They pushed the, put a spear in his side, blood and water come out, and he, I mean, he was dead. Jesus was dead. They put him in the ground. Now he raised up other people from life, Lazarus, and then a widow, and, and a, a, a little maiden one time. I mean, he raised other people up from the dead, but now he's dead. Alright? His disciples saw it. Especially the women. You remember when they took Jesus down from the cross, 
the women were there at the cross. They took him down from the cross, and they went there, and, and the two men, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they went, and 75 pounds worth of spices, they wrapped around Jesus' body with the cloths and put this thing over his head, wrapped his head with this cloth, okay? They laid him in a tomb, and they saw where they laid him. But they had to stop. They had to hurry up and do this because they they had the Sabbath. And if you know about the Jews, the Sabbath, you don't do anything on the Sabbath. So they had to do this, hurry up, get this done, lay them in the tomb, Sabbath. And all the women were thinking, well, we got, we're going first thing after the Sabbath is done, we're going to have to go back and check this out, check it and finish up whatever we have to do. Okay. So what we find in is where we come to our story, the blackout, they come out of, he comes out of it. So I want you to look at uh, John chapter 21. No, John chapter 20. I want you to look at verses 1 and 2. Every time I read this, there's always that freshness to it. There's just, I mean, definitely there's something about this. Yeah, this isn't just a normal story that we read. It's, it's something, this is real. This really happened. And I can just, I can just, almost feel the morning since that early morning. Let me read this verse, two verses. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. She saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she went running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they put him. So during this darkness, Mary comes to the tomb Mary Magdalene, she sees that the stone has been rolled away, and immediately she assumes something. She assumes that somebody took Jesus' body. That's the assumption. She's gone, somebody came and took his body. We don't know where it's at. And she immediately goes to tell the disciples. But before we do that, I want to share with you the darkness. Mary was used to, she had been in a time of darkness in her life. Mary was a woman who had, the Bible tells us that she, Jesus had cast seven demons out of her. Seven demons. She would have been a demon-possessed woman. Not only that, but she lived in, a, in the area of Magdala. Magdala was a place that was known for its wickedness and bad, bad, bad people. A lot of demon-possessed people in that area. So she had known darkness. She saw the darkness at the foot of the cross. The worst of humanity is they crucified Jesus. And now early morning, she's in deep mourning, grieving. She walks to this tomb while it's dark, and she sees this, and she panics. Three times, she's going to say this statement three times. His body's gone. Somebody took it. Where have they put him? To three different people. The first people she tells, she says she runs, and she goes and tells the disciples. They went to Peter Peter and uh the disciple whom Jesus loved was John. She went them. She told them. And we're told that, and I'm not going to read that, but we're told that Peter and John, they run to the tomb. And evidently John was a little faster than Peter because he gets there to the tomb and he doesn't go in. But Peter, when he gets there, he goes on in because Peter wants to see what's going on. And it says they saw something strange. When they look in the tomb, they saw Jesus' funeral clothes laying there. And then they saw his, the, the, the cloth was wrapped around his head. Uh, it was neatly folded off, off on the side. Now, if you're going to take someone's body, 
If you're going to steal someone's body and take it, so why would you bother taking the funeral clothes off? Why would you bother folding the, the cloth that's around his head? Why would you bother doing that? Peter walks in there. He sees this, but John goes in there as well. And this is what it says about John. Look here in verse, um, in verse 8. Verse, chapter 20, verse 8. The other disciple who had reached the tomb first, then also went in, saw, and look what it says, and believed. When John saw it, he had a different conclusion than Mary did. He believed, aha, he's raised from the dead. And, and then it says in the next verse, for they did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Now, they didn't know this was, they didn't really fully comprehend that this was supposed to happen. Jesus was supposed to raise from the dead. But John saw it. Well, wait a minute. He must have done something totally that blows our mind. He's alive. John believed it. And finally, John, I don't know about Peter yet. We know that Peter later comes along clearly. So they see this, They, but they went back. That's all they saw. They went back home. Okay? And so they get back to the tomb, and then Mary comes back. And this is what gets really interesting. Verse 11. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she was crying, she stooped to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in the white sitting there where Jesus' body had been laying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord, and she told them, I don't know where they've put him. Now, let me stop right there. Now, okay, <laughs> she's seen two angels in the tomb. Something's not registering. She, this woman is totally distraught. Doesn't register. She's looking at angels. She's walking in there, and they ask her the question, why are you crying? Why? Well, of course, obviously, Jesus is dead, right? <laughs> so so she sees the empty tomb, she's crying, and then she still comes to her conclusion, they've taken my Lord's body, I don't know where they put him. She's still not woken up here. She's still in darkness. And then, look in verse, uh, she said that to the angels, and then she's going to say this to another person. Verse 14, having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Now, Jesus is standing right there. Have you ever, ever done that? You're looking for somebody, and they're standing right in front of you and just doesn't register that, oh, that's you. I mean, it, I've done that before. Or, or better yet, you, you, uh, you, you go out to the parking lot, and you get into someone's car and don't realize it's someone else's car. You, have you ever done that? I had that happen just recently. Actually, I was sitting in my car. Somebody comes into my car. Like, what are you doing? And they don't realize, and I said, well, I've done this too, you know. So, uh, so but this is, it's kind of like you're in a funk, you're in a zone. Sometimes you're like, and that's what Mary is. She's kind of, she, she says it in this mourning mode, this darkness mode, and she sees Jesus right there. She, she sees the angels, oh, it's gone, and sees Jesus, and moves on, and she doesn't even register. She's talking to Jesus, and he's alive. <laughs> what are you doing here? Anyway, but, but she thinks he's the gardener. Right? Um, let me get down there. She turns there, Jesus standing there, woman, in verse 15, woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is this that you're seeking? 
Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you put him, and I will take him away. Now look what happens next. Jesus said to her, Mary, Mary. And he wakes, with this, he wakes her up. He, she immediately gets, gets her attention. And turning around, she said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Now, I want you to see this point. If you don't get the point I'm saying, I want you to get this. I want you to think about this question. Of all the people that Jesus appears to first and reveals himself, who is it? It's a woman. He intentionally does not reveal himself to James and or John and Peter, right? Though why didn't they see Jesus? Why didn't James and oh now John and Peter? I keep saying James, I don't know why. John and why did why is Peter and John not see him? It's significant here if you see this that she calls him rabbi. A rabbi. And she says it not just in Greek, she says it in Hebrew or Aramaic. What this is saying is that Mary is a disciple. You, in that culture, women are not disciples. Women aren't disciples. A, a demon-possessed woman from the town of Magdala, you're, they're not disciples with a rabbi. They don't have rabbis. I mean, in fact, even the disciples themselves weren't, could not be disciples of a rabbi. They, they weren't qualified. They didn't have enough, didn't have enough brain power, didn't have enough stuff. I, why, so why does Jesus reveal himself to this person? Why is it, Mary Magdalene, why is it a woman? Why, what are we to get it from this? I think, I think what we, I think what we see is, is that Jesus is telling us, we're, we're getting here to see that Jesus wants you women to be disciples as well as men. Amen? You can follow Christ and learn who you can call him rabbi. You can call him, you can follow him. You can call him shepherd just as well as men. That's what, that's what we're here to see. And, and not only that, but the woman is told, I want you to go back and tell those men that I've been raised from the dead. Now we know the men don't really listen to them. Ah, they're just crazy. They're just blah, 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 you know? Like men often do sometimes, you know. Uh, Charlie's chewing on the battery. Ah, you're just crazy. That won't kill him. <laughs> anyway. God is in, folks, listen, you need to see this. God is intentionally revealing himself to somebody. The, the last person you would expect God to reveal himself to, he reveals himself to that person. And yeah, Mary, whatever you might think, in our culture today, they, they, they say, well, it's, it's, Mary's his girlfriend. No, when you see the Hebrew, when she's, when she's talking to Jesus using the Hebrew language or Aramaic language, when she's speaking to Jesus, call him rabbi, what that means is, you're my teacher. I'm your disciple. It's not, I'm your girlfriend. Now, there wouldn't have been anything bad if she was, but that's not the reason why she's excited to see Jesus. The reason why she sees him, he's my teacher. He's my master. I am his student. And we have this relationship along with his other disciples. Okay? And then what happens next? You all know what happens. It's just natural. Verse 17, Jesus, don't cling to me. What's she doing? 
She's hugging him. <laughs> I can't believe. What would you do if you're dead? You're the love, the person that you love died and is now alive in front of you. How would you respond? You would hug them. And not only hug them, but you would hold on to them so you don't lose them again. And that's what Mary's doing. She's, I don't want to let you go because I don't want to lose you again. And Jesus, that's why he said, stop clinging to me. I have yet to ascend the Father. He's, he's basically reminding her, I'm still going to leave. I'm alive, but I'm still going to leave here. Right? But he says, um, but go to my brothers and tell them that I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Now notice the positioning that Jesus gives them. He puts himself in. Now I know this, this messes with my theology a little bit because Jesus is God. Why would he say, I'm going to your, to send to your God? Jesus, you're God. Jesus, he's bringing out his humanity. He's saying, I am, I am with you, Mary. You're, you're my sister. You're, these are my brothers. I want you to tell my brothers. He elevates us, our status together. This is so cool because he's saying, He's, he's including his disciples. He's including Mary. We're family together. You're my brothers. He doesn't elevate himself over them, but he brings himself on evil. He's saying, this victory I received is our victory together. That's pretty powerful. It says that Mary returned and went and announced it to her brothers, or to the brothers, to the disciples. I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he said to her. How do you think she said that? She surprised, I bet you, any, any amount of money. I bet you she went, she went back. She was frantic. She was excited. I've seen the Lord. I've seen him. I've actually seen him with my two eyes. He's alive. He's not dead. And he said he's going to see us all together. She's excited. Now they thought she was crazy because, hey, this is too good to be true. Dead people don't live. But Jesus did. And she said she was excited. When you have that kind of news and when you see it for yourself, you've got to share it. It's good news. Because Jesus rose from the dead, death has no, has no power over him, neither does it have power over us. Amen? It's an awesome thing to preach a funeral of somebody who's a believer, a Christian. And to know that person that lays in the casket is not, is going to raise again from the dead because of Jesus. That's an awesome thing. I love preaching those kind of funerals. I have preached funerals where the person didn't know Jesus Christ. And to know that they, because they didn't know Jesus Christ, that they're, they're not, that their best days are behind them. All the best days they've ever had was behind them. They don't have any hope of raising from the dead. They were raised from the dead, but they will be cast into the lake of fire forever. That's no hope at all. But Jesus came to give us hope, to raise us from the dead so we can live with our Father and with His Father, with all our brothers and sisters forever and ever. And that's what Mary said, I've seen the Lord, He's alive. He can do something death-defying. There's an old song, one of my favorite songs of all time. There's a band, a, a, a punk band, Christian punk band. They sang this song. It, the words go like this. 
Jesus is the best. Better in all, I'll have to sing a little bit. Jesus is the best, better than all the rest. Go on, you'll see. Uh, put him to the test. You'll see he's the best. Jesus is the most. He rules from coast to coast. I need another dose. My Jesus is the most. And it says, um, talks about God's enemies denying he could do something death-defying, but he rose up from the grave. He rose up from the grave. Now, Jesus is king. He can do anything. Call him on the phone. Ring, ring. Jesus can do anything. Have you heard the latest? Jesus is the greatest. I mean, that's, that's the hope. And when, the, when they saw that Jesus could do something death-defying, there isn't anything that Jesus can't do. You know that? And that's our hope, and that's the reality. When I die, I fully expect. When I'm put into the grave, or cremated, or whatever happens to me, whether they, whatever, I fully expect that I'm going to live again. I'm going to open my eyes, and I'm going to see Jesus. Because, why? Because I taste Him today. I experience him today. I talk with him today. He talks with me. And he, his spirit bears witness with my spirit that I'm his child. And he does that for every one of you. Every one of you. Because Jesus is not, is not in that grave. He is here with us. He's not in Jerusalem. He's here with us. And he bears witness with us that he's alive and he's well. Have you experienced Christ? Have you placed your faith in Jesus? Have your eyes been opened to see Jesus? And you know, it's really crazy, isn't it? Here you got a person that's standing there, and Jesus is standing right in front of her. She doesn't know it. Doesn't recognize it. You know, there's a lot of people like that in the world. Jesus is there. The reality is arose from the dead, and you're crying about it. Why are you crying? Because you have such good news. I'm alive. If we could just open our eyes and see that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is in our life. We'd be like Mary once after she opens her eyes, she would rejoice and tell someone else. So I challenge you this morning. I challenge you. Are you still in darkness? Are you in light yet? Have you been enlightened to see the reality of Jesus, that he's alive? If not, then this morning you can do that. We can do that. We can ask Christ to enlighten yourself. Enlighten your mind so you can see Him. You see clearly see Him in your life. And also, those of you who have had your eyes open to see Christ, are you excited enough to tell someone else about it? Would you be willing to tell somebody? Tell someone, hey, Jesus is alive. I know He's alive. I'll never forget it. And I think I've shared this before. We were doing... We were doing a ministry in Abingdon. We were on that bus. Remember Holy Roller number one? We were on this bus and we were sharing the gospel with these kids. And uh, one of the girls had came to faith in Jesus and all the other kids were taunting her. And they were saying, they're saying, no, Jesus, Jesus isn't real. Jesus isn't alive. And she says, I know he's alive because he lives in my heart. A little six-year-old girl knew that. I know he's alive because he lives in me. And you can have that too this morning, this morning, today. And also part of being a disciple, helping you follow Christ. And I realized this a few weeks ago. It's part of my responsibility as a leader to help you to be able to see how Jesus is working in your life. How He's at work. 
Sometimes we as believers, we can get uh, a fog on our brain where we really can't see what God is doing. And uh, if we don't think God is working, we don't see God is really with us, and we, we're not aware of that, we get discouraged. And, we, and the, more we're, the more we see Christ in our life, the more we're encouraged and motivated to live for Him. There's no accidents. Accidents don't happen. I mean, it, God isn't working. He's doing things. And when we start seeing God doing things and bringing things together, and we start realizing God is interested in knowing me and knowing us, then that makes us want to know Him and to love Him. We love God, not be, we love Him because He first loved us. Have you received His love? Are you aware of that? If you haven't received that this morning, we're going we're to have an invitation. And I'm going to ask you to come. And we're going to have, I'll be standing right in front here uh, on the ground here. And if you need to ask Christ to come into your life, you need to ask Christ to forgive you of your sins because you can't pay it. We, we, we can never suffer enough to satisfy the demands of, of what sin does. Now, Jesus' perfect sacrifice, it satisfied it fully. That's why he hung on a cross from 9 o'clock to about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and it was finished. It was done. Our sin was completely paid for. But I can't pay for it. I can't pay for it myself. And only a perfect sacrifice can do that. So have you, have you ever accepted Christ for yourself? This morning, I want to ask you to respond. Respond to you from invitation and call upon the name of the Lord so you may be saved. So you might have forgiveness of sin. You might have the life of God living inside you. And if you have, if you've done this, I encourage you to share it with somebody. Tell somebody. Say what Mary said. Jesus is alive. He lives. Thank you for listening. I pray that you were encouraged in your faith. This is Pastor Will. Till next time, may God bless you and keep you.